Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. Mikey Dread. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello and welcome back to Let's Drone Out. Tonight you are joined by everyone's favourite Curry Kitten. Hello. Return to home jacket, Stephen. Hello. Our Lord and Master and Christmas Jumper fanatic, Frank. Good evening. Hello. My darling wife. Bonjour. My mum bought you a present, by the way. Me? Yep. And I've got a Christmas card for you. Um, uh, John RC Video Reviews. Hey guys, hello, hello, welcome, thank you. And I'm Brian until I fly, and uh, yeah, we're going to start the show. Stephen, do you want to tell us what's going on? <laughs> oh, I didn't invite John on, so I'm not sure that I'm the best one to do the, the lead. Jack, do you never uh, read the notes? Yes. No. I don't know where the notes are. Oh, for God's sakes. This Look, I've been everybody... in an MRI scan and I've been... Shut up, whinging about yourself. We don't need it. Jack's <laughs> ill and he's still <laughs> himself, everybody. Move on. Right. John runs the channel RC Video <laughs> Reviews. <laughs> Jack's just gone to the toilet again. Um, who... who basically has a channel where he does lots of flying and some reviewing of stuff and a lot of things with radios and stuff. And it was pointed out to me uh, by somebody that says, hey, he's flying a quad. And he was mentioning the tutorials I did about flying Acra. And I thought, this is a guy with impeccable taste. We must have him on the show and talk to him. That is pretty much it. And and John was kind enough to have me on one of um, his live streams as well. He does a live stream every Friday. If you start very late in the UK, you can catch it. It's on a more reasonable time in the US. So welcome to John. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks. Glad to be here. And uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Those videos were spectacularly good because you go out and, and find, um, if you're new to the quad pilotage, there's so many guides out there. But a lot of times these guys will get up and they'll fling the quads around really fast and they go right into 3D and you're like, wait a minute, I don't even know how to take off yet. And that's what I loved about your videos is you just kind of marked them off into quadrants and said, okay, let's start with the basics. And then you moved on and it was brilliant. So yeah, I, I attribute your videos to helping me get off the, off the ground pretty quickly without any, without any real fanfare, honestly. Yeah. I am quite slow as well. That's yeah. me working at full pace, but um, <laughs> tell tell us a little bit more about what your channel is and, and what you're doing at the moment. We, we were talking before and I know you've done a, an awful lot on HTX, which is going to make Stephen happy and recently doing quite a lot on, helicopters which are quite frightening and you do quite a lot on planes as well and do some line of sight and fpv and all sorts tell us more yeah so i i got started flying a long time ago back in the 90s and um i, I got out of it for some time and did some on uh, on road stuff but when i got back into it 
it took me very little time to go straight into FPV. And when I say FPV, I don't mean these guys. I mean fixed wing long range because I lived out in the deserts of Arizona. And this was before the government and the news had us, you know, all being criminals for flying beyond line of sight. And we'd go out in the desert and we'd fly, you know, 1,000 feet, 2,000 feet and, and 10, 12 miles away. We built antenna trackers and we would just go out and fly. We'd fly these huge loops and we didn't think anything of it because, I mean, where, we, where I lived, you couldn't, you couldn't hurt a coyote if you tried to. So that was my first, my first real like big area of interest when, when I got into, into RC again after being out of it for a couple of years. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time with Eagle Tree Vector, with uh, Dragonlink UHF and 1.3 gigahertz video. I went out and got a ham license so I could operate the radios le legally and um, had a great time with that. And, and I still miss it. Some of the footage that I used to get, the HD footage, um, it's still, you know, those are memories that you have, you know. And I, I've got pictures from lakes and deserts and rivers and dams and things that you would never see without being in the air. And uh, I, I just... You know, that's my real true love is the long range FPV, but we really can't do that anymore. And if we do, we can't talk about it. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we're, we're certainly not supposed to post videos about it. I'm not saying I don't have any, I'm just saying you're not supposed to post it. So because of that, when I moved back to Florida, I moved back home, um, I wound up uh, flying at a field, an AMA field, which was very foreign to me. Because I was kind of like a rebel, you know, we just went out to the desert, and did our stuff there. But the AMA field, you know, I kind of pushed more into fixed wing and, you know, the local park stuff and sport flying. And, you know, you can do so much of that to a point. And then, uh, you know, the quads, I started paying attention to the quads. And I had people ask me on the channel to get into doing quads. And uh, because I love mechanical stuff and I'm a constant, consummate tinkerer. You know, I got into quads and I, uh, my last um, real nice build was this little badger that I have in front of me. Um, this is a brilliant little frame. It's an Armaton Badger I got from uh, Race Day Quads. And it's got the titanium camera mount, the DJI camera system, a little run cam up there uh, just for tinkering with. But um, I absolutely love flying these too. Uh, the problem is, you know, when you're running a YouTube channel, you can do the builds and talk about the technology. But when it comes to the flight videos, where I go, we just go around in a circle, you know, and that's all you can really do. So anyway, that's... Uh, that's that on the quads. And then uh, I, have, I have a group of people in my channel who are absolutely dedicated heli fanatics. And they had been asking me for months and months to get into helicopters. They said, do, do helicopter, fly helicopter. So I finally started tinkering with helicopters. And um, I just have a blast with these two because they are very mechanical in nature and um, lots of whirly bits. And, and uh, com you know, they still use the computer. I'm a tech guy. So, you know, you still got a flight or it's called a fly barless, but it's basically a flight computer handles the mixing and throats fly by wires what it is. So I put a couple of these together and now I'm kind of bit with these, but I just have fun with everything. You know, uh, the hobby, I'm a tech guy. I, I've, I've got a background in radio. I've got background in, in uh, network engineering. And um, as soon as I could get a wrench on a motor when I was a teenager, I did. So to me, the whole hobby just kind of comes together and I love it all. And I'm not really, I'm an equal opportunity, um, <laughs> equal opportunity adventurous when it comes to flying. I'll try just about anything when it comes to flying. And I can tell you the helicopters, boy, they really absolutely put you to the test. Um, it's been a challenge learning them and I'm still kind of a rookie and I'm not, I don't have uh, what I would call advanced skills, but you know, I can get around the field, do a few tricks and I'm still practicing. So that's it. And then the edge TX stuff, um, that's how my channel really kind of took off. 
uh, I I started. Um, I used to I used to watch uh, Lee at Painless 360, and I'd watch him when I first got into OpenTX with my Tyrannus, and then I got to that point, you know, a tipping point where I played around with things so much that I started answering more questions than I asked, and that's when I started doing the videos. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've been I've been heavily involved in EdgeTX. In fact, uh, I've completely made the conversion now to EdgeTX. I, I no longer have an OpenTX radio. Everything I've got is Edge TX, and I've got a lot of radios too. You know, I, I tink, I said I tinker, um, so yeah, I'm always fooling around. And uh, Edge, I actually compile my own kernel uh, on a nightly basis. I watch their updates very closely, and and um, I, I like to I like to see what they're up to. And those guys, uh, they're just brilliant. They're they're very welcoming, very encouraging of uh, ideas and participation. And uh, I'm just really thrilled with what I see going on over so here at, at Edge. Yeah. Great group You've got the, the new gimbals there, is that? The metal gimbals on the one yeah, on the right? This one. Yeah, the AG01 Radio Master yeah. gimbals. Um, Radio Master sent those to me for review. They kind of hooked me up with a lot of a lot of equipment. And um, yeah, they sent those over for me to do a little review and install them and and talk about how they go. Um, and they're they're good. They're they're nice gimbals. Difference? I mean, in terms of the the feel between those and the regular, because you've got whole sensors already, so it's going to be a nice smooth action, but obviously the weight of the metal is going to feel different. Yeah, you know, we've I've had this conversation in Discord quite a bit, and the thing about gimbals, I, I kind of have this argument with gimbals that says, if we stipulate that every one, every modern gimbal in a decent radio these days has four bearings, right? You've got the north-south axis, the east-west axis. So if we stipulate they're all riding on bearings, that kind of accounts for the feel. Now, I suppose if you're really good, you might be able to say, well, I can tell the difference in bearings. I can't. I can't tell the difference in bearings. So for me, it's not really about the bearing movement, but what it comes down to is the weight. And I found ways to accommodate for weight if I don't like it by using different springs. So I go out and get Fataba springs. Fataba makes some heavy-duty springs. And um, I did change these springs out from, from the stock ones to Fataba. And um, I like the feel with it there. So the weight is very heavy with those Fataba springs. And and the um, the bearings obviously are very smooth. So, you know, to me, it's a suit to taste thing. And I think most of what it when it comes down to feel, I, I my my view is that most of it comes down to the spring tension and how much weight you put on those springs. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's other things too, like the stick length and the centering. Uh, they did make some mechanical adjustments to the way these gimbals center. So the old style, um, it had more of a fine point on center. This one is a little flatter and a little wider, so it's it does it does tend to center better. And um, I know on the hall sensor they also made some adjustments so that you can avoid um, drift. That was one of the big complaints: is the temperature drift. So when you say it's flatter and wider, you mean it doesn't like push itself right into the center; it just loses a little bit of the the spring when it gets to the center, or, or what? no? What I'm saying is when it hits center, it locks on center. So oh, it locks. That's yeah, like an kind of, almost. Yeah. If you've ever taken a Horus radio apart and look at the way they do it, they have a very clever mechanism for centering. It's a very flat plate and a very wide plate. So it when it centers, it locks. And um, I know that was also one of the complaints. And I think what uh, what I believe what Radio Master did is kind of split the difference. They didn't go with that big wide plate that the Horus uses, uh, but they use their own new design and a um, little bit narrower, but it's not a fine point. It's not like a point resting on a plate and that you rely on that for center. It's just a little bit wider. I've, I've wondered if that comes, if that shows up in some freestyle pilots flying, because a lot of the moves you see, they really just, it's like a, a turn and then just lock on to, mm -hmm. a, to an attitude. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if, if the ability to kind of lock on to center much more aggressively would, would actually show up in your footage. 
I, I, I can tell you that it absolutely made a difference in helicopter flying. You have to use rudder. You will. That's one thing you'll learn if you fly a helicopter. There's no getting away from rudder. Uh, you can cheat on on and well, as you guys know, in quads, it's the same deal. You got to use rudder and quads as well. But uh, when I got these gimbals, these, this is my helicopter radio. So I put them in this radio, and I can tell you right away mm -hmm. that um, it made a huge difference in keeping the um, the pitch uh, uh, more aligned when I use the rudder. So, uh, or maybe I reverse that. It's the rudder is more aligned when I use the pitch. So I don't. I find myself not drifting on rudder as much when because right. I'm a thumber. And I know a lot of guys that fly, you know, helicopters, they are pinchers. I'll probably work on adapting that at some point, but right now I'm a thumber. So you have that arc. And when you, when you are moving that pitch, it's real easy to touch that rudder. So that harder center definitely helps avoid that, that rudder movement when you're, you know, when you're thumbing mm. like I am. Yeah. Yeah. You um, just no doubt sit about in it. a rut almost without breaking, without jumping from side to side, breaking yep. the line. Yeah. Same thing with the uh, elevator and aileron as well. So I'm mode two, but you know, mm. over here, elevator and, and aileron, it's same concept. You find yourself, if if you're trying to just utilize the elevator and you don't want to roll, that centering does help out there. It's a little more locked in. Yeah, yeah. I think with, with freestyle quad pilots, you often see this kind of like turn and bank and then lock. And it's mm. almost like the footage just kind of snaps into an attitude. And, and before, you know, from moving from one trick to another, you get this kind of locked in feeling. And I was wondering if that was contributing yeah yeah i think so i think so and then the heavier springs too if you haven't tried that it takes a little acclimation to get used to the heavier springs but now when i go back to radios that don't have like these these gimbals mm -hmm. are fly sky gimbals um, i don't know if you guys are aware of that but fly sky the mv14 ones uh yeah well uh pl18 yeah uh, same but they're the same ones, right yeah, yeah they're the same um so uh, FlySky sent me some radios to review, and they sent me a spare set of gimbals, and I put these in the in the in the TX16S, and uh, with Edge TX, they just completed a firmware auto detect. So now, if you oh, use cool. the FlySky gimbals, it will automatically pick that up and they'll work. So these uh -huh. are digital, these are analog, but now you can switch back and forth. And um, same, you know, same thing. That these are a little bit looser. They feel very foreign to me after flying this one. I pick this up, and it feels like somebody else's radio, but it, right. it, you know, it's mine. But um, I need to find a way to tighten those springs up a little bit. People were too, too floppy. Were saying those were very advanced gimbals with some 3D hall sensor or something. People were picking apart the minutiae, and one of them's SPI, and the other one's a serial connection or something, right? Yeah, there's a, a ribbon cable that goes in between them, and then there's a single digital connection that goes onto the header board on the on the main board. So. Um, the, the big thing, the big conversation I've had, and, you know, I've spent a lot of time talking with developers. I spent time talking with radio master, the great big question out there is resolution. So these are, mm. you know, there's this whole thing about resolution. You have to be very careful about the way you position it because these are 4096 gimbals. So are these by the way, but mm. these are 4096 gimbals. But the problem is you don't get that resolution on the output because the protocol, the air protocol, doesn't support 4096. It only supports 2048. Right. So you're going to have stepping. And when I dug into it and tried to really understand what the difference was, what I got from the developers having a very, <laughs> I don't make your guys' eyes bleed here, but having a very de detailed conversation with one of the key developers, Risto. I don't know if you guys follow mm -hmm. EdgeTX, but he spent about an hour talking me through it. The bottom line is that there's a lot of math that goes on between the analog finger. This is analog and, and this is digital. So there's a mm -hmm. conversion that goes on between analog and digital. 
And as the movements of the stick work their way through the inputs, mixes, and outputs on the radio, the, there's math that has a certain degree of precision. So if you have a 4096 gimbal, your math can be more precise as you move through the inputs, mixes, and outputs. Versus a 2048 gimbal, the math is less precise. Um, there's a very complex mathematical process they go through when they move stuff through the radio, but that's the bottom line explanation that I got from the Edge developers. Is they said, we can be more precise with the math as we move through on a higher resolution gimbal. However, because the protocol only supports 2048, at the end, what you send over the air is only at 2048 uh, resolution. They're, they're talking about changing that though, right? Yes. There's been some yeah. rumblings yeah. about moving to 12-bit, which would take it to 4096. Exactly. Yeah, and there, I think there is one protocol out there that does it. I believe it's a Fataba protocol that does it today. Um, so if you have Fataba, you might you be still able to take it. You've still got analog noise and stuff though, right? Because ultimately you're just moving a magnet next to the sensor and it's kind of behoven to whatever environmental effects yeah. or other electrical noise inside the radio might be occurring. Right, yeah, you can't, yeah, the mechanics are no no different. It's just a higher resolution and it's a digital format instead of analog. That's the only only difference. And what's, what's the protocol that's kind of uh, restricting everything at the moment? Is this the protocol between the gimbal and the the radio or between the radio and the module or what's 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 going on there it's it's the air protocol so all the free sky d16 d8 fataba all, all the stuff in the mpm uh they all work at at uh, 11, 11 bit so 2048 yeah. some guys who've been doing custom express lrs handsets have built stuff that does 12 bit end to end but right mm -hmm. now OpenTX doesn't kind of accommodate that i think um yeah yeah, and the other thing with Express LRS, because that's Laura, which those guys are brilliant too. I, I absolutely love what they're doing. I mean, it's fascinating watch. We're in a great state right now watching mm -hmm. what's happening with software and hardware. But the Express LRS stuff, um, because it's Laura, there's a real um, there's a real requirement to manage the relationship between bandwidth and power and distance, right? So they what they're doing is they've reduced the bandwidth significantly. That's what Laura does, is it reduces the, the bandwidth significantly, and it trades that bandwidth for range, uh, even at very low power levels. If you look at the Express LRS leaderboard, there's guys out there flying 40 kilometers at 100 milliwatts on 915, which is just amazing. Um, I remember with Dragonlink at 433, we were pushing those at one, one watt. And the Dragonlink would self-adjust, just like Crossfire does, but... Um, yeah, it's amazing to watch that kind of that kind of work. But so so now, if you go back to the protocol and say, well, we're going to stuff more information into a packet, now you might need more bandwidth. So mm -hmm. you know they're using that bandwidth. That's a very key feature in how they how they extract the range in Express LRS. You know, that's that's a key. Yeah, and we had this discussion. Some some guys here saying, you know, when when can we use it for our wings? When can we get more than four full range channels? Yeah, and to do that, you're going to have to sacrifice, like you're saying, sacrifice some of the strengths that you've got by keeping that low bandwidth, and give up some of that range in order to get more full range channels effectively. Well, you know, one of the topics that I've heard of, and I've seen it, I think um, I'm not sure if it was Ghost or, or I don't think it's Tracer, but there's this idea of switch automatically switching between protocols. So using something like a normal frequency hopping spectrum protocol for local stuff and then automatically switching to LoRa if you're at range. And that might make sense because in, in the local protocol, um, you could use the extra channels for your gear and flaps and things like that. But then when you take off and put your gear up and your flaps up, you really only need the four, maybe pan and tilt. 
but yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be, I, I look forward to seeing how they, how they address that. But you guys know there is a Maytech module out there right now that's Express LRS with PWM output, right? That's mm -hmm. out there. So yeah, that's really exciting to see that. Not um, on Maytech's website when I last looked, but it was on AliExpress, which was strange. Yeah, Maytech has it. Yeah, we, we were <laughs> talking about it the other day because it still has the problem with the reduced resolution yes. yeah. above. like So your pan and tilt will be a little bit... And you just better make sure not to map channel 5 to actual channel 5 because that's just a binary channel for your arming. Right. So you're not going to get anything useful out of that. That's right. Yeah, Those are the things they have to work through. And, you know, if they if they can find a way to... to to use um, an automatic protocol switcher that says we'll use LoRa for range and, and one of the common frequency hoppers for local, that's it. I think game over <laughs> for the industry you, because, you, they, yeah, they're amazing. Did you see the, the guys who were looking at this FR Sky tandem system and kind of jealously thinking, oh, maybe we'll have a go at hacking at that? And one guy was trying to figure out how to get 2.4 and 900 running at the same time on both end and toggle between them. Uh, rely on one for telemetry and the other for for, for the uh, outbound uh, data and so forth and combine the two. Yeah, I mean, you could actually do something like that with one of these radios if you wanted to get creative because you've got an internal and external module. So um, if, you, uh, if you had an internal module, for example, that had Express LRS, you could have an internal running Express and an external running Express. And I've actually seen some people tinkering with that, putting an Express LRS module in, internal to the radio. Um, so if that happens, then yeah, you could run, you could, you could actually run both simultaneously, um, two different receivers, two different transmitters, same radio. That's possible. They're going to have um, a lot of trouble selling their really expensive uh, Futaba competitor radio at that point. Yeah. 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 Just going to say, there's, there's definitely been um, autopilots in the past that can take multiple receivers mm -hmm. as well. I think... Oh, I can't remember who made it now. It, it, it's like RVOSD or something back in the day because um, I remember someone having two free skies and different polarities in their antennas to get max range and having two RSSIs and it would just flip to the, the right one. But uh, you could do the same thing with two two separate receivers just running from a single radio, two outputs at the same time. I suppose there's nothing technically to stop a flight controller from having two RX inputs, right? It just have to have some logic in there to manage which one it was listening some logic to. Say, we'll, we'll take it from this one because this has a better signal, not like get it from both. That would be bad. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, I did notice. Although I still like the idea of something. like, let's have two receivers. You have aileron and throttle, <laughs> and you have rudder and elevator, and let's see if we can fly a plane together. I think that would be fun. Oh, that's always fun. Yep. You know, a friend of mine, and when I was in Arizona, we had there's this. Um, I forgot the name of it. It's this, it's a switcher. It's a radio switcher, and the idea is it's an in air. It's meant to be a wireless trainer, and you hook two receivers up to it. And we we had two fields within a mile of each other, and we thought about connecting a Dragon Link to both, and then getting on FPV and having having him sit at one field, launch the plane, and fly it FPV over to the other field. And I was going to go sit in my chair with my radio, no airplane, and just sit down put my goggles on and start talking to myself while I flew the plane. Cause we know the guys at the field have been like, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> There's no airplane. And then all of a sudden uh, when the airplane came into range and I saw it, uh, I would flip off the, uh, or he would flip off the, uh, the, when he saw the field, he'd flip off the master and switch it over to me. So I'd have control and I'd bring the plane in and land it. We actually mapped it out and we were going to do it. I just moved before we could get it done, but we were going to do that. 
that, that would have been fun. But it's just this little device that takes uh, two receivers and one, one output. So, uh, and it's got a channel to let you switch from one to the other. I have it. I have it in my my stash somewhere. I'll have to get that thing out and fool with it. But yeah, neat little gadget. <laughs> Interesting. It, it was actually yeah. my my friend's idea was to do something more stupid in terms of flying a plane together, and he comes up with all the stupid ideas. So we did things like let's do third person first person view where like I would follow his plane and then he switched to my channels and then he'd fly his plane through my view. So it's like line of sight through FPV. Uh, <laughs> and we, we did like FPV from a moving car as well and stuff. <laughs> and, right, but he came up with the idea, which we never got to because it sounds absolutely too crazy about having two head trackers and our head trackers, instead of working on a pan tilt, one would be throttle and aileron. The other would be rudder and uh, elevator and we thought yeah we could we could stand in the field together and we could go like this and we can somehow try and fly a plane together we never got there i don't to be fair i don't think it would have been a very a good flight or something that went very far because i think we would have crashed terrifically hmm. but that that would be fun to try that yeah, would i had a guy coming to my channel for a little while he was kind of like in and out and um he'd stay he stayed for a couple of weeks and he was doing fpv using cell towers somehow um, mm-hmm. he, it was Arju pilot, and I guess he was using the, the cellular network to be able to control the craft, and he could go pretty pretty long range with that too. I never invested too much time into it, mainly because again, we're at this stage right now in the states, at least, where you know they're they're kind of cracking down on that, so it's just not not a good area to spend time. In his mind. Well, they're simultaneously cracking down on it and making it a commercial prospect with people yeah. like Amazon <laughs> and others opening up drone deliveries. And you can bet that they're going to be using things like 5G to, to assist them if it's available. Um, well, I yeah, also they... heard an inter- interview with Airspeeder, and Airspeeder are making claims that they're partnering, partnering with Telstra in Australia, which is one of the, the 5G providers over there. Mm. Yeah, they they certainly found the government found a way to really monetize the RF spectrum for cellular, and that, those companies pay big dollars to get access to those those you know bandwidth uh, carve outs. So wouldn't I'm absolutely not surprised to hear that there's a commercial interest in saying, hey, what about airspace? Can we monetize that somehow? So yeah, I no doubt in my mind. I don't know what the full strategy is, but you know you can see based on who they're asking for comments and who's invited to the table to talk about how they're going to compartmentalize the, the sport flying that we do from the commercial aspects. And it's all the big players. So no, no surprise that that's going on. None, none at all. Yeah. It'd just be interesting to figure out how people intend to do flying when they've got, you know, at least 200 milliseconds latency, you know, that you, when you're in some remote location and you're going from one cell tower to another cell tower, down onto the main metro network. There's just no way you're going to do that with aggressive latency numbers. Um, so it'd be interesting to hear what happens. Well, they're going to do, you know, it's probably airline miles. That's what I used to refer to it when I when I would go fly long range. There would, the idea was we'd sit somewhere and we'd fly off somewhere and then fly around a little bit and then fly back. And I always called the, the travel between the two points, I called those airline miles because all you're doing is just going straight. You're not... Right. You're not doing too, maybe a little exploring, but that might, we'll see. We'll see how it unfolds. But, you know, the radio technology, too, with, with uh, what they're doing with Laura, I've seen uh, absolutely insane ranges um, with very low power levels, too. These guys aren't even really pushing the power. So I guess if you were to do 
like a commercial implementation of LoRa that was authorized by the powers that be with some high power output, uh, who knows? I mean, who knows how far they could go with, say, a... Uh, so long as you've got kind of an onboard brain that can do active collision avoidance and detection, I suppose it's not too big of a hassle. As long as you're not relying on a, an operator behind that latency to do your mm. collision avoidance. Well, it's funny you mention that. Uh, one of my regulars on my channel, uh, he his name is Drone Pilot. He just shared a video flying one of his new... He, he just got the commercial license down in Australia. And he just posted a video on my Discord uh, showing how he had his DJI track him through a forest. And he he basically just walked around through the woods and he tried to get it to get caught up on the branches and the little hangy, you know, hangy twigs from from the trees. And he said it, it just didn't. Um, and and he it was a good five minutes. So I was kind of impressed. Now that was slow though, you know, to oh, be I, to I bet I could hit it with a freestyle quad though. Five inch freestyle and I'll knock that magic out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, that was walking pace, walking pace. Mm. But who knows? You know, maybe you know. I think that's obviously test bed material, right? So they they take what they've got and they they say, well, we know how we can dodge things. Now we got to make it quick. So we'll see. It's fascinating to watch, though. That's for sure. Uh, the technology uh, that yeah. we're seeing out, out in this hobby right now is absolutely fascinating. I'm just wondering what happens when you've got like uh, maybe a say twenty pound payload flying over residential properties, going to drop a delivery off at someone's house and. People are flying at their local field, and you know they've got a couple of a couple of pounds worth of maybe ninety mile an hour vehicle up in the air. How you enable those two to to happen at the same time? And and they're talking about things like having beacons and stuff, but the actual airline pilots seem really against any anyone else having beacons because they're aware that as soon as this goes into consumer kit. There's going to be a million beacons lit up all over every major major city, and it's going to be impossible to distinguish anything. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm extremely dubious that drone delivery will ever happen. Me too. I mean, they're testing it right now. One crash over a residential area to say this can't go on. Look, look yeah, what's happened. But, so they've got as far as trialing it in the states, right? One of the pharmacies is doing it. Was it Walgreens or someone? I can't remember. It's weird because if you've been to the US, there's a Walgreens literally on every corner. Yeah. I don't know why you'd need drone That's delivery. Prevalent Starbucks. I mean, it's it's yeah. also being done in the UK uh, around uh, you know some of the smaller islands, particularly during COVID. They've they've had uh, some pretty big wings flying stuff out to islands. You know, it's not. Oh, this is a lighthouse with five people on the island. Sure, but it's a different <laughs> yeah, world. This isn't like, isn't let's go through central London and just drop something here, not there, because we'll hit someone just there somehow. Mm. I, I just uh, well, that's the other thing is you know it's, it's also being used mm. as as blue owl is kind of covered before, like it's being used out out in Africa already, um, a similar sort of thing where it's not to the actual address, but there's points where it's you know it's going from point to point, and it's it's where there isn't the traditional kind of infrastructure for delivery, um, but I, I think that's probably more where it's going to be. So you think instead of having like the traditional British with. red letterbox, postbox at the end of the street, we might see some kind of drone landing area in future, a little street helipad where you can go and pick your deliveries <laughs> I up think from. it's probably more likely to be on, your, on the top of your local Amazon warehouse. There'll be a little drone thing that will be dropping it there from the warehouse uh, like a hundred miles away. Yeah, that and seems. And it will just pragmatic. shave yeah. another uh, shave a day of logistics, 
and it will be all worth it for them. Yeah, if they I mean, could hard code GPS coordinates for you know go here, go there, that that makes sense to me because that's that seems doable. Um, where where you're not going to have interference from the populace. And I was about to say a little earlier, you guys are aware of the gun culture we have in the U.S. When I went out to the desert and flew long range, I'm not kidding. I have video of guys shooting at my plane. You know, they. they <laughs> I'm not. I'm not kidding. I have video of it. They, we'd fly over at four or five hundred feet, and we'd use our pan and tilt and look down and. You'd see them come out. They'd come out of their garage with their guns. They'd aim up, and you'd see them shooting at us, trying to take them take take them down. So that's another problem they'll have here, too, is wow. because we have that kind of crazy in the U.S. Um, where people will actually say, oh, yeah. how about that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what that drone's carrying. I'm going to get myself an Amazon drone and whatever it's carrying. Pretty so sure uh, if you shoot, like, a ballistic up into the air from your property, that's pretty much guaranteed to be illegal. And, well, over here in most places because <laughs> – the, the kill kill range on that is just ridiculous. You could be killing someone a mile away without knowing it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. We have, um, yep, same here. I'm not saying it's legal. <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> it will happen. That's what I'm saying. And they don't care that you're filming them. I so, always yeah, thought if, if they ever get deliveries done, it, the sport would be let's go and see if we can take them down with our normal quads for fun. <laughs> I never consider people just randomly shooting at them as well. Yeah, which is a, a, a whole new different thing. All of a sudden, Jack's parts bin gets a lot bigger. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, I need a motor. Let's just off we go. There's one. Get it. Yeah. Hook one well, in the sky. Also wondering, like, how much are the, the the delivery drones worth? Like, you're flying one of those over East London. How long before a bunch of kids just go out and get the nets out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, start stabbing they, they steal, it. Just out of instinct. Pe- yeah, they steal pizza delivery. <laughs> Drivers like cheap ass scooters. What are they going to do to get hold of some like twenty thousand yeah. pound, twenty thousand quid worth of quadcopter? People are just going to get like order those frequency jammers and make a na- massive cannon mm-hmm. and just fail safe it out of the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know. people disassembling microwaves in the street and trying to. Yeah. You know, This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. Speaking of fail safes, what... Uh, John, what do you use in your helis? Just thinking about line of sight stuff. Like I've I've been to a lot of line of sight fields, haven't been to a lot of line of sight fields with with helis being flown out. The only time I've really seen a load of helis being flown has been at uh, Western Park, which is a big event near us, and uh, it's there. They, I think pretty much everyone seemed to be using like jetty radios. I think that seemed to be the one I noticed. I don't know oh, yeah. what kind of. Yeah, Jetty is a big one, and V Bar is another big mm. one for the for the heli guys. But I bucked that trend because I've been on OpenTX and now EdgeTX for my entire flight career, and I, I've I've sent stuff downrange, and it's I've gotten it all back. So uh, these are these are the radios <laughs> I use. But regarding the failsafe on these fly barless units on the back, they have a rescue mode. So what the rescue mode does is it will whatever the helicopter is doing, it will level it, and then climb for a period of time. And that's all configurable. So uh, I actually put my rescue on a momentary switch. So if I'm flying and I hit that, the helicopter will level and and climb. 
the problem there are two problems with the rescue mode or the the fail safe mode on this one and that's that if you're inverted it will level inverted and climb inverted which reverses right. the, mm. the, the pistol <laughs> so you have to be prepared for that that you know when you let go you don't want to you know instantly you know go up and and think you're going to climb because you could smash it down into the ground which is terrible and there are plenty of videos of people doing that um, and then the other thing the other problem that i've noticed in the rescue mode is that if you're doing maneuver you're flying the helicopter and it gets wonky and you decide to hit rescue it will level up but the problem is it maintains whatever momentum it had so if mm. you're cooking along with a head of steam and you hit the rescue mode it will square itself up but it keeps going and um, that can be problematic if you're already having visibility or orientation issues now there is another one that i haven't tried yet and i'm kind of thinking about it um, I actually mentioned it in in the Discord, in my Discord, and the helicopter guys just skewered me, and they said, "Real men don't fly with GPSs on their helis." <laughs> and they <laughs> gave me a be my next question. question. <laughs> yeah, there is yeah. a GPS unit that actually does. It'll hover it. It'll bring it home. And I am thinking about trying it out. Yeah, I don't need to prove anything to anybody. I'm, I'm thinking about trying it. You've got a lot of money in the air, and you can't just slam those things into the ground like you can a quad, right? It's gonna absolutely not. These are glass jaw joes. If you this goes in the dirt, you're gonna write a check. I had a little a little one. Um, I have it over there. I can show it in a minute. But I had a little one. I was flying around the front yard, and um, I landed it on my sidewalk, and the blades just touched the grass, and it tipped over, and that cost me fifty bucks for a feathering shaft, a broken this, a broken that. <laughs> I broke the one way bearing. I couldn't believe it. Fifty bucks, and it wasn't even a flight error. It was the stupid thing touched the grass. Uh, unbelievable. See, I was mm. going to ask a question because if you're flying a collective pitch or, or 3D on a heli, obviously you don't want to just knock the throttle down. I was going to say, how do you get used to that? Because if we have a problem in a quad, we'd instantly knock the throttle down and just stop. But you don't do that in a heli because there's no instance you just want to have it land on the ground <laughs> out of control. I suppose you've got to get good in a sim before you even even think mm -hmm. about taking a real heli out and and at that point you're just sort of like hovering and coming down and building up really slowly are you that's a great question and there's actually a way to solve a little bit of that in the radio because i did exactly what you said the first time i tried forward flight it got uncomfortable for me and i pulled the stick down which is the instantaneous reaction if you're a fixed wing slow the aircraft down and then make the turn whatever and when I did that, it, it cannonballed it directly into the ground, and it's turned it into a freaking meteor. Um, so the way you solve that is with a pitch curve that looks like this. So in this pitch curve, what happens is this is what you heli guys call normal mode. So in normal mode, you have a pitch curve that takes away the full negative pitch. It only goes about negative three or four degrees. So in normal mode, while you're flying, you can you can um, you know put a curve in that takes this basically takes the 3d out of it um, by only having it go negative yeah. three and so if, if when you first start flying it's a good idea to fly around with a pitch curve like that when you decide to get adventurous then then your pitch curve looks like that it's more linear in nature so you know it's a straight straight pitch curve but when you're learning uh, or if you're you know just tooling around a little bit you're not going to do any stunts it's not a terrible idea to use this because um, that way if you do go full negative you can see that your pitch doesn't go all the way down to here. And that's that's the way we solve that. No. Well, what I, about I don't know if any of you guys have, have tried using a 3D quad, but I had exactly that problem. As soon as I'd get into a problem, <laughs> drop the throttle. <laughs> yep. So it went in so fast. Yeah, Just right. trying to get to neutral, 
uh, it takes a lot of thought. It's obviously easier just to, oh, yeah, I should just... So you've got to switch flight modes. That's got to be your reaction then. You've got to teach yourself to yeah. switch flight modes rather than... Yeah, and I think, you know, there is that learning curve. So when you first start out, maybe the first thing to do is fly around with a mode like that for a little while until you kind of get it. You know, it was amazing to me how hard it was to get forward flight because, again, the rudder, the orientation, you have to do this coordinated turn and... If you don't, when you first, when I first, at least for me, when I first started flying helicopters, they would get in these kind of weird, uncoordinated modes. And when that happened, boy, they would just come out of the sky like a bowling ball. And uh, the way I solved that, a friend of mine gave me a little plastic uh, Blade 3 Nano. And that thing, uh, if you're going to crash it, all you have to do is kill the power. You just hit the power uh, throttle cut. And when you do that, um, that thing, it doesn't matter how it crashes, it survives. <laughs> so it's you just walk over, pick it up, take off again. Okay. And, uh, that's what kind of got me over the forward flight thing. Uh, so you've got to start with something that's light enough, doesn't have enough energy right. to to trash itself. Exactly right. That's exactly the point. It doesn't have enough mass to be able to damage itself when it hits. So um, that okay. was brilliant because that got me over, uh, you know, the forward flight stuff that I was struggling with. It got me over the first flips, the first loops, you know, the first everything. Um, I tried out on that once I did it in real life then you, the funny part is you go out with a real helicopter like this one and it's a lot easier to do than those little you know cheapy plastic ones so so you've learned to counter all the wind movement and the noise that you got in the, in the cheap quad and it makes you a better pilot as well then yeah the the little ones they're definitely squirrely they're hard to hold on to so that definitely makes you a better pilot because if you can chase one of those down and make it do what you want these things and, uh, you know, this is kind of a small one. I did it because it fits on the desk. Um, but this is a 380-class helicopter. And it's fair, fairly lightweight, you can see. But, you know, they have 700s that are like this. And um, when you put those, and I, I've only, the biggest one I've flown so far is a 550. And when you put that thing in the air, it's just kind of like, woof. You know, it just parks itself and it <laughs> hovers and it's amazing. You know, it's a lot easier to control than even this one. Um, so the, the bigger ones are definitely easier to manage, uh, in my and opinion. And that one you've got there, that's a, is it a Sab Goblin? SAB Goblin Buddy, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and they do, they do great graphics too. That's the other thing about these things, the graphics work is amazing. Um, they're very, very step up, high, le- high level stuff on the graphics. And um, yeah, they just look good. You know, it's, um, they're, fun to, they're fun to play with. <laughs> it's a whole new thing. If you want to challenge yourself with something new in RC, try a helicopter out. I'll tell you what. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say I was arrogant about it, but I'm like, how hard can it be? (laughs) 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 What a lesson. (laughs) I I was fascinated to see some guys fork beta flight a while ago and they, uh, they created a project called heli flight 3d, I think, or maybe rotor flight as well. They changed names. Uh Um, you experimented with that any, if you heard about that? I have not. Um, I, Part of the reason for that is because when it comes, to, we talked about cost, right? Um, <laughs> once once you get it figured out, it's kind of like this formula. I just don't want to really mess with it. I know this computer, sure. I, and being a review channel, I probably should start experimenting a little. But uh, you know, money is still money, so I get but, a little nervous. I'm kind of familiar with this one now. My Discord, I've got some good help, and now I know enough about it. I can set them up on my own. So, um, yeah, that's why I haven't really experimented because these things aren't cheap. I normally go with what's called a basher. I, I, when I experiment, I have, a, uh, I have another helicopter, 380 size. It's a Protos 380. And um, that one's that kit alone was only 139 US. So that's what I call my basher. 
And um, I experiment on that one. So if I do anything like that, I'll probably try it on the Protos. I would not experiment with this until I have it. <laughs> and this is a small one. You know, this is a small SAB. The SAB, um, their quality is superb, but they charge for it. And I'll tell you another thing that I had a hard pill to swallow was the motors and the servos, too. When I first looked up the motor for a helicopter, this little thing was a $100 motor. And I thought, what, what the hell are they thinking? So I, I, I do a lot of motor testing on my channel, too, and I thought, I can beat that. So I went out and found another motor that was equivalent, but the thing that stopped me was the temperature. This one has a much higher rated temperature than the fixed-wing motors, much higher, like dramatically higher. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I see the problem. The last thing I want on a helicopter is my magnets to come loose while I'm flying because, you know. I Don't you have a motor. pretty aggressive amount of airflow? Yeah. Well, I mean – you know, this is there's not much there uh, on the front, mm -hmm. and I guess if you're hovering or you know doing TikToks or whatever, you're not really necessarily moving through the air. It kind of depends on your flight style, I guess. But at any rate, um, uh, I went out and checked some of the helicopter websites and just looked at setups. And one thing I can tell you is that this this is an X Nova motor, and setup after setup after setup, they said X Nova, X Nova, X Nova. So you know, when in Rome. You know, that's the way I yeah, look right. at it. <laughs> what, what size of motor is that? This one's only like a 2800. Um, I'm getting my glasses on so I can read it. It's like a 2890 KV. And um, I'll tell you that, speaking of KV, um, yep, that's it. 282890 10 pole. Um, and it runs 6S. And um, speaking of KV, that's another thing that kind of shocked me. One of my helicopters is an aligned T-Rex, and that came with a 1600 KV, but it runs on 6S. Let that soak in for a minute if you're a fixed wing guy. <laughs> like, if you would have said to me three months ago, go ahead and connect a 6S battery to a 1600 kV motor, I would have said, if you're off your rocker, like, are you crazy? But that's the way they do it. Now, there's gearing, of course, you know, there's opinion in, in, a, in a gear, so it changes things. But um, in the fixed wing world, you never say things like 6S and 1600 kV, you say 6S and 500 kV, you know. So that was another thing that I kind of had to learn was that that's perfectly natural in the helicopter world. So it's a huge learning curve. I mean, every, everything about it is Head huge. speeds on those things are yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if you could get one of those motors and try it on a fixed wing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just... Like... Did, yeah, one of my recent live streams, I, I showed a, a big motor for a big for a 5 Series helicopter, and I, ma I made that exact point. I said, hey, if you're out there you know, struggling to find the right size motor with the right power... Check out a helicopter motor because the the bolt, the bolt pattern is the same, the wiring is the same. You might have to manipulate the shaft because they use the base here, and the sh the shaft normally goes down through the base. For fixed wing guys, normally the shaft comes out this way. Normally, um, some airplanes have the shaft out of the base, like the precision aerobatic stuff. But um, anyway, if you can relocate the shaft, then then that might be an option. Um, they look they make ludicrous power um i just bought a motor yesterday for a tron 7 that i have coming and that is a 5820 watt motor at 115 amps with a 6l battery absolutely ludicrous what kind of vsc are you running then it must be some insanely chunky esc well it kind of depends so in the 700 there's a real there's a dividing line in that world where if you're one of these professional they call them smack pilots that you, you if you ever watch the heli videos these guys get up and they're like you know it's crazy you can barely even see what the helicopter is doing um in that in that uh configuration they would probably use a 200 amp esc um then 
it, but it depends on your amperage and how hard you're flying it of course um, I'm not that good. I'm I'm more of a casual sport flyer or big air, what they would call big air in the heli community. Um, and in that in that model on that 700, it'll be 130 amp ESC. Uh, the motor itself peaks out in 150 for continuous, but 115 for continuous. Um, but the reason you do the 130 is because uh, the 130 hobby wing is the first one that supports 12s, so that'll be a 12s helicopter. Wow. On my 6S helicopters, the big 500s, um, 120 amp ESE for those. We've <laughs> got a, a question coming from Richard Warwick, as uh, I've talked about it before, and it says, question, is John not being on camera a deliberate decision on his part? Is he shy, wants to keep anonymous, or something else? Are you on the run? Are you shy? Or is this <laughs> I am not. Thing? I'm a citizen. What did you do with FPV before? <laughs> no, as far as I know, no wants, no warrants. That's as far as I know. Uh, and the IRS knows where I live. So, uh, yeah, there's no, there's no, it's none of that. The reality is that I still have kids at home and the world is kind of strange. I get, I get so many things on YouTube that I, I made a decision that while I'm going to do this, uh, I, I just don't want to be the personality. I want the technology to be the personality. So I made a choice way back when just to focus on the tech and the equipment rather than me. And um, then I also coupled that with the idea that I do have kids at home and the world is a strange place these days. So until my kids are out of the house and I don't, I don't want them to have to worry that I'm identified somehow. So I just, not that I feel like I'm famous or anything, but you never know. I get weird emails. I get, e I get uh, comments on my Sorry channel. About where, where do you fly? When, when are you going to go flying next? What field do you fly? I've had people ask for my address. No, they're probably, it's probably innocuous. They probably just want to send me a t-shirt or something, but I, I just, you know, I'd rather just remain anonymous for the time being. And then the other cool thing about it though, is that as the channel grows, there may be a point where I might be able to use that for a, you know, a viral video or something. Hey, I'm going to unmask, you know, at this point. So who knows? I haven't figured it out yet, but yeah, I, I just prefer to stay off camera. My, uh, my, I, I have had people recognize where I've been flying. And had someone ominously just appear behind me as I've been flying around. I'm like, who's that behind me? Why has he still stood there? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's another question. Um, what would be a that. good starter model to begin with helicopter side of the RC world? I'm intrigued by the uh, by the financial side of it all. Intrigued well, is a good word. <laughs> I can tell you right now, if you guys get into helicopters, you better bring your wallet because um, they're not they're not cheap. Uh, but if you give me a moment, I'll bring out a couple of good examples of where I would recommend starting. Just give me one moment. Yeah, no worries. So I know I've had my eyes on one of the OMP helis uh, since NJ you, was raving about You do about seem them. like you're turning to the dark side a little bit here, Frank. Are you, <laughs> between NJ and John here, have you sort of thinking, oh, yeah, I haven't got a heli. Maybe I don't I know you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know me, I've, I've flown way more line of sight than I've flown in FPV in the past year or two. And mm. now that I actually have a car... And I have a place to store things, and I have fields that where I can fly stuff, and I have explicit permission to fly stuff. I I could quite happily go in for a heli. So uh, I've, set like I've, some money. Yeah, exactly. I am I am fascinated by the radio side of things because you know generally as so far as the radio goes, it's like you don't do anything, do you? You do some stuff and beat a flight, you can fly a quad. But having looked at some radios today, and it had the whole throttle cut. 
and then the 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 mixing something mm. 120 degrees the or swash whatever swashplate stuff it's like what's yeah. all this about it's like you actually have to do something program on your radio for a change i'm, which would I'm still be blo- interesting i'm still blown away by john's radio gimbals they're like light up they look like something belonging in a trendy london bar <laughs> they really do yeah those are um the leds they're available pretty much everywhere uh that go and they go on the radio master you have to wire them in yourself of course and then I got to a point where, you know, I use this on a simulator and at night if the lights are off, I don't want the blue lights blowing in my face. So I put a, I decided to put a little on off switch on there for, that doesn't come right. in that way. You have to put that in. But. So is that just a shim between the shell of the radio and yep. the gimbal? You've that's got a translucent it. plate, right? Yep. That's exactly what it is. Just a shim. That's exactly what it is. So um, anyway, regarding starting, um, I, I got a couple of different things out to show you guys. Uh, the first one is this is a Blade Nano. This is the one that my friend oh, gave me. Oh. Yeah, and this is weirdly enough, it is a fully 3D capable helicopter. It'll it'll do. It flies inverted. It's got full collective pitch. It's got negative no pitch. Um, is that still a brushless motor? No, brushless? this this one okay. is brushed. This is a brushed motor. Um, and and they're fairly cheap. Uh, you can get this for about eighty dollars. Um. And it'll bind right up with a Radio Master radio. You don't it, it supports DSM, so it just binds right up. Uh, so that's a good place to start. This is the one where I probably crashed this about 15 times before I ever finally got forward flight worked out. Um, crash after crash after crash. Um, so that's a decent one. Those are readily available. And then here's another one. This is a K110 or an XK K110. And um, very similar to the Blade Nano, it's fully um, fully 3D capable, got full collective pitch, negative pitch, and um, you can get these on, uh, I believe, Banggood for about eighty or ninety dollars. And uh, same deal, right? They'll take a punch. You can crash these. The main thing you want to do before you crash them is make sure you kill the power. If it's going in, just kill the power, and they'll survive a crash. So these two, I would recommend these two as starters. Now. I did a video on these where I said uh, this Blade Nano is like the worst piece of kit you have to own because it flies pretty much terribly. It just doesn't fly well. <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is that, um, and when I say it doesn't fly well, I mean when you try and do tricks. You know, if you try and do TikToks or inverted hovering, it's a challenge. It's kind of squirrely. It flies in forward flight just fine. So uh, it's just a, it's a lot to hold on to. That's the point. Um, it doesn't fly well, but. Because it can take such a punch and it's got the full configuration that you use on a full-size helicopter, um, it's, a, it's a great learning platform. It'll, it'll kind of get you over the initial, initial hurdles without spending too much money. Um, I mentioned earlier a basher. This is what I call my basher. Uh, this is a little Protos 380. Um, they, don't, they don't really sell this particular model anymore. Um, it's hard to get this one, but they do... They do have a you know updated version of V2. It's a little more expensive, but uh, in the grand scheme of things regarding helicopter pricing, this one's kind of cheap. Um, it's basically got the same electronics kit as that buddy that I had, so the electronics are still you know a little spendy, but the kit itself is pretty cheap. And the replacement parts are readily available and fairly inexpensive. So this is another good one. Um, like once you once you say okay, I I can fly this around and and not crash it, this would be a good place to maybe get your feet wet. Although there is a school of thought in the heli community that they, they, they have a saying that says, buy the biggest helicopter you can afford to repair. 
So they, <laughs> they do say that uh, because if you guys have ever flown big fixed wing, um, big fixed wing aircraft mm -hmm. are easier to fly. Uh, they just deal with the wind better. They're easier to see. Um, they're just they're easier to deal with. And, and there is a there is a point to be made for that. Although I don't necessarily agree because I don't, you know, some of these things, if, if you crash the, the main gear, this, this uh, main gear right here on some bigger helicopters can run as much as $50, you know, on this, on this aircraft, it'd be $3. So, you know, you got to take that into consideration. It's quite the jump. It is. And then um, I thought I would get out a, um, a bigger one just to give you guys a look to see from a scale perspective, what's involved in skipping from a, 380 to a uh, like a 500 class. Gonna have to zoom oh the camera God. out now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just waiting for the biggest like. Doom. Yeah, here we go. Oh. That, we, wow. We've had mummy bear and baby bear. This We're is gonna need a wider bear. angle lens. Daddy's in the house. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So it's it's what the 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 even just the kind of the head of it, the where the blades attach is about as big as the whole TX16 radio. Yeah, that's, it literally has Fat Boy written on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's quite the size comparison. Yeah. Right. Just imagine scary oh. samurai swords spinning at a couple of thousand RPM, and you, you're just about there. <laughs> well, and the funny part about it is the um, this is the Tron five dot five, and Fat Boy is the retailer in the US. So these are OEM. Uh, they're actually RJX blades, but he silk screens his his company name on there. And um, the Tron 7, which is, I have that arriving actually today. Um, one of the guys on my channel got, got his Tron 7 um, and started working on it last night. He took the canopy off his Tron 5 and it fits inside the Tron 7 canopy <laughs> with plenty of room to spare. <laughs> so the Tron 5, 7 canopy, I can't even show you guys because I don't think I can zoom out that far. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's huge. You know, that's a huge, huge. So this is a Tron 5. This is actually considered by a lot of people the first non-micro. So a lot of folks will consider something like this little 380 over here a micro heli. <laughs> the 5 500 is where they stopped calling it a micro. Micro, at least in some circles. Wow. I guess that's that's kind of similar to like a 300 size quad being a mini quad still. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So these are. Um, I don't, I, again, I, I'm just fascinated by the machinery involved um, to make this whole thing work. And it's fascinating that they can produce them with such consistency, too. We, we have to ask Stephen about this because he, he talked about making a wing without any moving parts because he does he distrusts <laughs> servos. So what's your idea for helicopter with no moving parts? It's called a quadcopter, Wayne. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's a recent innovation where people have dispensed with servos and mechanical complexity in favor of, of speed and, and brute power. That's no fun. You have to do it with a single rotor. Well, have you not seen Tom, well. Sta Tom Stanton's one? He, he, he's done a helicopter with without servos where he's just... We, we were posting feet. videos um, the other the, a week of some crazy Swede who was doing um, counter-rotating design. With, uh, with with kind of moving fans to direct the thrust mm -hmm. on a, on a rotor there. Yeah, we we are sat with Mr. Bone Drone himself. <laughs> oh, you, Corey, yeah. That's a chunky yeah, that motor, works so it? well. So what are we up to there? We're up from a twenty-eight twenty to to what, like thirty-five or something there? This is a forty twenty. 
1200 kV. This is the joke that I was making earlier. This is a 1200 yeah. kV motor and it uses a 6S battery. So you'd see those on X class quadcopters just to give people kind of perspective. Yeah. And it, yeah. it looks like a small component of this particular aircraft. Yeah. <laughs> I love the two capacitors, like probably holding on to dear life, like poking just near the big old hot motor. Oh. I cannot do it any good. Yep. Well, that's the arrangement. Um, <laughs> and there's another capacitor back here. I don't know if you can see that for the fly barless. And then these are the uh, spark arresters I was talking about earlier that I just installed today. Right. Um, they've got a little built-in resistor so that helps prevent the, the spark hop. It stops then, you uh, welding your HD60 leads together. Yeah. So with multi-rotors, we're kind of used, and pardon me if this is a novice question because I don't really have any experience with helis but with multi-rotors people tend to kind of you know get a frame and there's a billion different frames out there and then pick some components and put it together Thanks, themselves Rich. are these built to spec or or is this something you tend to kind of get a heli frame and then fit all the parts on yourself yeah it's it's the latter um you tend to fit your parts on on your own so the motors um you know, the best thing to do, it's like anything else in the hobby, if you don't know, it's to talk to other people who do. And then read, I like to read setups. I, I have a lot, of, I have a great faith in the community when I can find consensus. So when I go out to a channel or a website and I can find consensus where people are saying the same things like, yep, I use an Nova 4020 in mine and love it. And you hear five other people say the same thing, then I start putting a little faith in that. Um, that's where I mm. start to get my ideas. But I'm also uh, blessed enough to have some guys that, uh, the ones that were pushing hard for me to get into helicopters who've been, you know, in them for quite some time, uh, also advising me and then, um, you know, doing their own testing and sharing what they get back to. So you do have to kit them out yourself. But um, we again, helidirect.com in the U.S., they, they have a uh, website that's actually pretty good because they when you go and pick a helicopter from their website, they, they provide suggestions, right? They say, here's, if you want cyclic servos, these are good. Um, you know, and they're selling, you got to take it with a grain of salt because they're making recommendations for, for retail purposes, but, um, you know, they'll put you in the right ballpark, right? So once you understand what they're recommending is a good servo or good equipment, then you can make your comparisons and use that as a frame of reference. I've done that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. so you seem pretty sold on the Xnova motors then there with the high temperature resistance, they're doing the job for you. They are. Yeah, they are. Although the Tron 7 is actually going to get a different motor called an Ego Drift. It will be the first time I right. put something other than Xnova in a helicopter that didn't come as a combo. Now, some of the Align stuff, they do a lot of combo, uh, combo kits where they give you the motor ESC and servos in the kit. And um, that's not terrible, except on my line, I've already replaced the ESC and the fly barless because I wanted my icon and I wanted my ESC. And the reason I wanted the ESC is because mm -hmm. telemetry. Um, I did a video where uh, using the uh, RadioMaster R161, that's the receiver right there, um, that supports F-Port V2. So with F-Port V2, we can have a single signal wire to the icon and then telemetry from the ESC is supported. Mm -hmm. So we get... We get voltage and current, uh, head RPM, and all kinds of telemetry from the icon over a single signal and telemetry wire. One wire for both telemetry. Well, I'm glad you don't have to rely on a timer. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I do not rely on a timer. I actually definitely use voltage. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of yeah. using the voltage. And I actually have an OpenTX and EdgeTX uh, tutorial video 
on how to create some logic to account for voltage sag. So rather than have your voltage timer go off just because you hit 3.75 momentarily and then you know you lay off the throttle a little bit and it climbs back up to 3.85 or 3.9. Um, so I built a little uh, logic in OpenTX that says, um, I only want the voltage alarm if I hover below 3.75 for a few right. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so. Nice. Well, before we sign off, can I just ask you to compare your your arm with the size of that blade? Because it looks absolutely enormous. Are you saying would it pass the samurai test, Frank? And in fact, <laughs> cut straight through his arm. Just, <laughs> I'm just, terrified just to think it might well do that. Your, oh my god! Just your forearm next to that blade. I just want to want to see a comparison of of that size because it just looks. And the absence of a coke can. Yeah. <laughs> or a banana. <laughs> Well, here's an iPhone. So this is an iPhone. That's an iPhone 12 Pro Max, if that works. <laughs> that's, that's nice. Yeah, it's enough to be a small wing. <laughs> I, I remember even very, in a, a flight test episode, David Winnerstall flew just a 250 nice. size into a mannequin, and the oh, mannequin yeah. broke. So <laughs> you don't want to have – you don't want to yeah. be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, they're they're big blades, and they go back quite quite a bit. So, wh where can people go to find your videos, then, John? If you go to RC, uh, YouTube slash RC Video Reviews, uh, you'll find me. Or if you just search for RC Video Reviews on YouTube, they'll find me. Um, uh, so, good, fortunately, I've done enough material now where YouTube gives me that one. So, <laughs> RC You're Video lucky. Reviews, yeah, it's yeah, quite a general lucky. search term, and you own it now. Well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I have a website as well. Although the website really, I don't do a whole lot with the website. It's mostly videos. I, I started with the idea that I, I would, my whole premise in the video channel was to do video evidence. So video, I, what, here's what happened. I had a guy, I had a guy at our field, young kid. He was 15, 16 years old. He was flying his airplane. And he crashed it and he came back. He goes, well, guys, I don't think I'll be seeing you for a couple months. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I crashed my plane. I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I got to repair it. And I said, okay. And he goes, well, this little motor, the C-Flight motor is $75. And I said, what? 75 what? And he goes, yeah, it's $75. I said, no. You go on Amazon. Here's the motor size to look for. And you can buy it for $14.99 or whatever, you know, 20 bucks or whatever. And he said, he goes, well, will it work? And I said, well, of course it'll work. He goes, doesn't have to be E-Flight? And I said, no, it doesn't have to be E-Flight. And then his battery too. Same thing on his battery. He had a he had a three cell twenty two hundred battery. These are small motors, right? It was not mm -hmm. a big plane, and his his battery was shot. And he said, "Well, you know, the battery is forty five dollars." I said, forty five. Where go to Hobby King and get yourself a three S twenty two hundred for twelve bucks?" And he said, "No, that won't fly. It will it." And I said, "Of course it will. That's all I have." And that's the moment I decided that we needed. I needed a channel to kind of talk about things like I'm not I'm not cheap. I'll spend money. You can ask my wife. Um, I'll definitely <laughs> spend money with the best of them. Like, you know, I was in the Navy, so the whole drunken sailor thing kind of applies. But um, I will spend the money, but I always look for value, right? You got to, if you're going to make me, if you're going to yeah. ask for my money, you got to give me the value in return. So when it comes to something like a 3S2200 battery, that's not exactly high tech these days. I mean, you know, so, so uh, you know, I get frustrated when I see that because I don't like the idea. I mean, it's a free market economy and all that. I get it. But I don't like to see people who don't know getting mugged. I just, it bothers me. 
So that was why I got the channel started. It was just to provide information to say, hey, you know, here's where you can go. Here's what you can get. Here's how much you can spend and, and get something. And then to show people, right? Just show, you know, rather than talk, to show people, you know, here's what happens if you do this. Um, and that's really what my channel is really intended to be about is video evidence, the concept of showing it rather than talking about it. Um, a lot of people um, talk out their ass, really, when they have no idea. We have a flight instructor. I don't, I shouldn't say that. I won't say where he's a flight instructor. But there's a guy I know that his buddy was flying. He said, hey, I'd like my plane to go a little faster. What should I do? He said, he goes, well, change your propeller from a 9.6 to a 10.6. And I said, Number one, no, that's wrong. No, number two, don't tell people just to do that. He goes, well, it'll be fine. I said, no, it won't be fine. First off, changing the diameter doesn't change the speed. He goes, yes, it does. I said, no, it, you know, and I'm losing it at this point because this guy's giving bad advice. It does not change the speed. It changes the torque and it can pull more amps and give, get his, his ESC in trouble. Mm-hmm. So unless you know, don't talk out of your ass. Tell, you know, base it on facts and analysis and data and and again that was another reason for the channel so all right that is all we've got time for but thank you very much john for thank you giving us your time and coming on with the 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 lovely voice that you have and uh you know sharing your experiences uh we've been let's now uh thank you to all our patreons um, thank you for everyone who tunes in and supports us. And if you're listening to this on you, on iTunes or any other platform, we are live every Thursday at 8 p.m. GMT. And you've been joined by everyone's favorite, Curry Kitten. Goodbye. Shiny video stuff, Stephen. Thanks. And I absolutely agree with that knowledge is power. Learn, help others learn, make everything better. Thanks. Based on facts. Based on facts. And if you don't know, say you don't know. Yeah, nothing wrong Absolutely. with that. Yeah. Yep. Everyone's favorite, Andrew Stash Frank. Hi. Uh, John uh, from RC Video Reviews. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's my um, pleasure to join you today. Thank you. And I've been bright until I fly, and you've been listening to Les Show now. Thank you. Good night. Telemetry lost.